Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Somebody wants to pay $17 million to leave your job, you might be interested. Which door? <laughs> you know what? I won't even be picky on which one. I'm willing to leave on any one you ask me to. Welcome into Sports Talk. Salutations. Greetings to you one and all. Scott Beatty and Lauren Tate for the first hour of this program. Hour number two, Evan is in. Guests today... Include Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com. He will join us via a telephone. And next hour, we'll visit with Mike Barber, Richmond Times-Dispatch, covering the Virginia Cavaliers. Get a lowdown on Illinois' opponent this Saturday in football. You can join us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5300. Five seven. We had a good time out at Riggs yesterday, having the show there for the People's Choice Awards. And now we're back here in studio. Mr. Tate, it's really good to see you. Good to be here. What's on your mind today? Well, I see Milwaukee's losing again today. They're just trying to, you know, what, 26 games to go for the Cardinals. And it looks like they're going to pick up another half game this afternoon. 7-1, to one, uh, Colorado's beating Milwaukee. And I'm not sure the White Sox are doing particularly well. <laughs> they are... At 500 and trailing four to nothing today, which means they're going to fall under. Well, it doesn't mean they will, but they could fall under 500 today. And Scott, are you getting the idea they're just not going to make it? You know, they, they keep uh, flirting. Sneaking up, <laughs> they, yeah, they keep flirting with it, but I, yeah. I, I don't see. I just don't see it happening. There's just. I, it'd be interesting to see if the White Sox. Okay, what's the Tony LaRusso situation for real, and yeah. what is the Tony LaRusso situation from the perspective of the front office? This might not be the same things. Um, but if he does not come back, what does that do for that clubhouse? You know, right now there's comments. Well, when there's comments, left, they won a couple of games yeah, right away. There's comments right now that, uh, you know, the energy and uh, togetherness and all that kind of fun stuff for them, but... Um, at the end of the day, you still got to be able to pitch, and they're down four nothing already in Seattle in yeah, the third inning. You know, the, the problem is, if you're behind one team, three or four games behind one team, you can pick that up in a hurry. It's a lot harder to catch up two teams, mm-hmm. and that's where they are. They're in third place right now, and that's a, that's a tough. Uh, it's just it's just been a kind of a oh, just a disappointing season all the way through. I think that is. I think that's totally accurate because. Well, so much was expected. Yeah, and 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 it's sometimes the frustration of five hundred or thereabouts is is much more acute than well, we're just a bad team and we were out of it by July. Then you kind of just get over it and you move on. Well, this is a team for its fans that keeps them hanging around and won't show progress. 
But we are in September, and we're mm-hmm. deep into September already. I mean, we're moving. <laughs> there isn't much time left. You've got to make a run sometime. It's right now. It doesn't saying, look good. Been saying that for weeks and weeks. Yeah. Kind of similar in the in the feeling I'm sure fans <laughs> had after Illinois football's loss on Friday. If they lose in big fashion, that's frustrating. Well, it's so early. But just to lose in that close of a fashion is is a, just a different kind of sting. Well, than, it is different. Then you it got is steamrolled. But, but they certainly showed uh, a physicality that is very encouraging to me. Just the physicality part. I mean, I, I think that they're going to come out against Virginia. I think they're going to run the ball against most against most opponents as long as they can keep Chase Brown healthy. I think they're going to run the ball. And I think that uh, I, I, based on what I saw of DeVito, he, he ran for four first downs himself. That's crucial first downs. He just didn't run. He ran four times and made gains that moved the markers. And that that's what you need. We're not looking for somebody to break a 50-yard run out of the quarterback position. Just first downs. But the other thing about that is if you don't go deep, you know how you score a touchdown from 50 yards and boy, that was, you just relish that because if you march it down, it's always hard once you get in the red zone. Mm-hmm. If you If you are built around Indiana hit Illinois with a 40 and a 52-yarder in the early, early in that game. Boy, that – I mean, how long would it have taken them to make 52 yards if they had to do it a chunk at a time? Because Illinois would stop them. Mm-hmm. And, and Illinois had the, has the same or similar problem. They don't have the long ball strike. They don't have the home run. It doesn't look like. But they do have the, the singles and the doubles that punch them down there. But then it gets really hard to score down there. They just needed one more single or two, so mm-hmm. to speak, in the run game mm-hmm. down there. Now mm-hmm. they did have a sure touchdown but taken when you, away. When but you put the corner, when you put the cornerbacks and safeties on the line uh, on the goal line, it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's more difficult to score down there. Now everybody does it, and Illinois will have to do it, no question. But average offenses really struggle in the red zone in college. By the way, I saw something that bothered me today. If I can find where I put it, uh, there were a hundred. Uh, uh, the athletic came up with a hundred transfers, uh, what they called the top one hundred transfers in the country. Okay, out of two thousand, by the way, there were two thousand transfers. Only about eighty percent of them found homes, and the other twenty percent didn't didn't find homes. So, there. I guess you could say uh, there were only uh, sixteen hundred that that found a home. But my point is that Illinois had nobody. Of, of what the athletic determined to be the top 100 transfers. Nobody. The best, the only time Illinois was mentioned in, the, in this story was when they went to Barker, who caught that 13-yard, one-handed 13-yard touchdown pass for Michigan State yep. against Western Michigan. That's the only time Illinois was mentioned. So Is we there anybody know, receiving votes? <laughs> <laughs> Any honorable mentions? <laughs> well, I'm sure we do. We got we got several guys that that transferred, but none of them are ranked that high. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it's one way of saying Illinois didn't get any of the top ten percent of transfer players mm-hmm. in terms of skill. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe some of the transfers they did get are still valuable. You know what I'm saying? But you 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 well, sure yeah. would put a ha- like yeah, that no, feather. I, in your cap. Illinois is getting getting play from a lot of different players and. And, 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 you know, uh, and we're not counting guys that transferred several years ago, like Chase Brown. We've got people like that. But, and by the way, you see, he got that, uh, 
back of the week by the Doak Walker Association. I just chuckled at that. So this is the first time. So the Doak Walker Award goes to the top running back in the country it's at the end of the award. year. Doak it's a very a big award. Yeah. But for the first time, they're handing out a running back of the right. week award. Mm-hmm. Chase Brown won it for 36 carries and 199 yards. I laughed because he didn't win it for the conference. Yeah. That's you know, right. so the conference no, no, was like, right. nah, 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 no, no, 199 yards, no. Nah. Well, I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of guys that went way over 100 yards. I don't know how many went over 200, but not many around. Not many went over 200. Well, the conference <laughs> tends not to give it to players on losing teams. Well, how about the players for the second straight week? It should be he got immaterial. The first week. <laughs> it should be immaterial, especially when you ran. Because were, you know, he didn't have much competition the first week. Exactly, but. and this week he didn't have a backup. I mean, he did, but there was no Josh McCray, and he had to carry the ball thirty-six times. Okay, all the talk is now: what can he hold up? Yes, if you're going to give him the ball most of the time. I don't. It won't be thirty-six, maybe, but boy, I I just. Uh, He's if you've got a close ball game, and we're gonna, Illinois is going to have a whole bunch of close games, I think, and I think you're going to depend on him. And if you're asking him to go through 12 games where he's carrying, you know, where you expect him to gain 150 yards every game, ew. He said be beginning of the season he's in the best shape he's been in. He felt the best. He has looked it. He has just run through a couple of would-be tacklers. Oh, yeah. He is, oh, yeah. He he is, he's making he, great moves. Uh, don't my, you think he has a, a a legitimate shot at playing on Sundays? Yes, I, I do. I don't know if he's fast. I I don't know where he'll where he lands in the speed spectrum of running backs. Well, everybody's got to have three running backs on every NFL team because one yeah. of them's going to get hurt. I think year. I think he's got a legitimate shot to be on somebody's roster. Somewhere. I do too, especially with the amount of running backs NFL teams go through. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through a lot, but uh, you, you're absolutely right. I, I, as strong as he is right now, he just doesn't strike me as that kind of guy that can carry that kind of load for 12 games or 13. Uh, you, you'd say that about anybody. Well, yeah. I mean, if you had Jim Brown back here, would, would Jim Brown be able to do this? To, or uh, you know, I, I mean, maybe he. I guess he did. I guess but body type wise, there's probably you know more of a, a fullback ish or a, even a Josh McCray type of build. Well, Jim Brown was the same size as the defensive tackles. <laughs> yeah, that's what, <laughs> there yeah. is a difference. Uh, I mean, yeah, but but Chase Brown, just looking back at a few of the the highlights, I mean, he just he really he good, incredible. All right, well, Illinois is home this weekend against Virginia, three p.m. kickoff. You can hang out with us in Grange Grove at our tailgate, right adjacent to our broadcast spot for our pregame show. Right now, you can go to WDWS.com, click on our contest page for a chance to win some tailgate tickets. They're not game tickets, but they are tickets to come in and have some food and drink with us and hang out, listen to the broadcast a bit, and have a good time before if you want to go into Memorial Stadium. Right at Grange Grove. You don't have to have a ticket to the game to go. WDWS.com. Click the link on contest. Get registered to win tailgate passes for this coming Saturday. Robert Rosenthal is on deck. Uh, another news item, the Big Ten women's basketball schedule dropped today, and Illinois, lucky then, will open up on the road for Big Ten play now on December 4th at Indiana. And then they got Rutgers at home on the 7th. 
I don't know what Rutgers will be. They have been historically a, a very good pro- program, but last year were not very good. Uh, but how Illinois much, is climbing how much out of the difference. Basement. Can Sean, Sean Green make? You know, that's a really good question. That is a really good question. I don't know where to set the. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you before you ask me. See. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, I mean, it, how much difference could Brad Underwood make? You know. Well, how, how long did it take you to make that difference? He mm-hmm. didn't make it the first year. No, and then he kind of ripped things down to the studs. Now yes, I don't know did. if that's what she has to do or wants mm-hmm. to do. Um, and that was pre-transfer portal also. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to go down before you got to go up. But Illinois yep. has yep. been, I mean, arguably record-wise, they were better in Brad Underwood's first year than they were in the second year. Remember the first year, they were just coming off an NIT appearance. So mm-hmm. they were at least that. Mm-hmm. And then that 12-win season. And everyone, oh. And then turned around into the the four seed in the Big Ten tournament before everything got Stopped and then on to a number one seed in the March Madness and and then last year as he's well. Got it, he's got it rolling now. You know, the only question I got, and I, I, I should bring this up during a big basketball discussion, I suppose, but I just I got to wonder about this. Will this team shoot accurately from the mid-range and long range? Will they be a good three-point shooting team? Will they be a good 18-foot shooting team? Will they? There's an interesting, I have doubts. There's an interesting video going around on social media. I don't know if it caught it, but a, of him giving um, a clip from him giving a clinic. It looked like it was in Kansas, mm-hmm. perhaps uh, at a community college, and him describing his philosophy about offensive rebounds. And he wants to be getting forty to fifty percent of misses. Well, and how and how they high number and how they practice for it and how they want to be in position for it. And he says, one of the things I tell my recruits, if you play hard, if you rebound, I will get you 8 to 10 points. That's what he said in this clinic. It's out there online. Anyone can watch it. And if you're a good player, maybe I'll run some action for you to get some shots. (laughs) But his mindset is run and rebound, and you will get points because of the way we're going to go after it. Well, getting a rebound, it means that you're close to the basket, right? Yep. So that's, that's going to be an easier shot than the one that preceded it. Bingo. And he also says, we're going to hit you if you're inside, basically inside the lane when we're trying to rebound. We're going to put a body on you and hit you, and, and you'll get that ball. So, and, and there's a little bit of explanation what he does, analytics and, and how they calculate where to be. The percentages of misses, 75% of misses. See, now I'm just telling you the whole thing. You should just go watch it. But 75% of misses uh, go go across, you know, the mm-hmm. other side or, right. or out front. They rarely come back at you. So uh, they're, they're trying to get guys in position and make those rebounds. The, the big difference between coaches today, one of the big differences between coaches today and coaches in my era, if you go all the way back to Harry Combs, is – Follow your shot. Every time you shoot, they follow. won't do that. I mean, they he specifically not, said that. He, well, it depends on the player. But he said, if it's a, my point guard shooting, I don't want him following. That's him. right. I want these but three if, guys. If you following are a him. guard and you shoot from twenty feet, you can tell where the ball is going to go while it's in the air and while you're moving toward the basket. You've got a better chance to get to to have an idea where the ball is going to come off than anybody else. But as you say, or as I say, 
uh, long since uh, they've stopped following shots. In fact, uh, good jump shooters often recoil. When they're in the air, they come down and, and actually don't go forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll come back. Uh, football talk. Robert Rosenthal is up after this right here on DWS. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Sports Talk rolling on here on Wednesday. Thank you for being with us. And you heard Chris Thomas's promo there. Volleyball will take over on Friday, so no show. So our last show of the week is tomorrow. Of course, Lauren and Steve have Saturday mornings at 9 to 11. 9 to 10. Oh, that's right. Uh, early out for volleyball this Saturday yeah. as well. By just, the way. Just talk to Taylor Rooks. She's going to be on with us at 945. She's in for the Title IX Summit. Mm-hmm. That's U of I's yeah. hosting. By the way, I don't think I told you this, but tomorrow, Nancy Thies Marshall will be here Great. in studio with us. Great. Former Olympian and standout gymnast here mm-hmm. at Illinois. She's also in for the summit they're hosting. So Great family. Yep. Okay, Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com, joins us uh, from his mobile remote studio <laughs> somewhere in, in an undisclosed location. Robert, have you recovered? <laughs> you, never, you never recover, Scott. You just uh, adapt to a world in which this loss happened. <laughs> okay, so we, Lauren and I were together on the air Monday morning, and uh, Lauren said, don't accuse me of being optimistic in response to a, a text from a listener. But yet, somebody was construing him as being optimistic. Um, and I'm wondering if you see silver linings, uh, positives, if you will, despite the L for Illinois against Indiana in the overall play of the game. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's right down the middle because, A, you know, I was just watching the game again and, and building an article on it, and we, you just watch so many, man, if that one play happened, if this one block happens, he's in, and it's a 10-point game. If this one thing happens, you know, and if that one penalty doesn't bring it back, oh, you're, you're further down the field, all those kind of things are just it's that kind of shoot-yourself-in-the-foot game. But on top of that, you also have the encouragement that, you know, they moved the ball. They were clearly the better team. Um, You know, the defense played well and didn't give up any points in the second half until that final drive. Didn't give up any rushing yards. You know, there's, there's a, there, there's a lot of good in the play by play, a lot of good in the, how many yards you gave up. There's a lot of good on the stat sheet, but you know, when you don't convert those third downs and when you do kill a drive with a penalty and when you do turn it over at the five and you do not punch it in, then it's it's hard to get, you know, really excited about a game like that. Well, I, 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 I was just uh, – felt I just felt good about the physicality of the Illinois team. I'm talking about the defensive line, the defensive backfield, and the offensive blocking that got a guy up to 199 yards. I just thought that there's – regardless, if you just look at the two teams – as you said, the the better team lost, and I, I guess that's I guess that's good. But can they stop a left-handed passer who's got four of his best receivers back this year? Can they can they stop Virginia in the, in the air? Yeah, to me, this entire game comes down to pass rush. You know, they Illinois had zero sacks in the in the mm-hmm. first game against Wyoming, and then only one sack this week. Um, Virginia lost their top six offensive linemen. The seventh guy is injured. So, you know, just for Illinois fans, think of what the Illinois offensive line would be if you take out 
you know, your top seven guys and who's left in there. So that's a line you should be able to, you know, with Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and company, should be able to get a lot of pressure on Armstrong, which you weren't able to do last year. So that would be the game. You know, if you can get to him and you, if he's going to sit back and throw like he did last, last year with, with four seconds all the time, then, you know, he, he's going to throw for 400 plus again. But if you can get to him, then uh, you can, you can disrupt the game. Well, this is a special passer. He threw for 4,400 and some yards and didn't play against LS, didn't play against Brigham Young and Notre Dame. Imagine he did that in 10 games. That's incredible. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, I, that was my main reaction when I was at the game last year in Virginia. Like, how come I don't know about this guy? Like, this guy should be talked about nationally because, uh, he was, you know, that first quarter last year, he was, he, he was Tom Brady out there. Why did he come back? That's my question. He had to be a he surely would have been drafted. I just Yeah, I think he got I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, he put a, you know, they can do that grading process and get feedback and mm-hmm. and he felt like he could improve his standing. Mm-hmm. I bet he there can. were some quarterbacks in front of him and and he could do it this year, you know. Makes me wonder what he thinks when he sees you know, his top three offensive linemen all enter the portal and go elsewhere, and then the coaches, coach resigns, and, you know, he's got to do it all in a new offense. And I'm guessing he may regret that decision that he, he might not have the numbers this year that he had last year. But, um, you know, NFL will watch you, and if you've got the arm talent, they'll go for you. Well, he's not, he threw 500 times last year. He's not going to throw that many this year because I don't think Elliott won. I, I think Tony Elliott has a different approach to the game than did Mendenhall. I think he wants to develop a running game. Yeah, they've said that all off season. You never know if that, you know, it's the old uh, basketball coach saying you're going to run this year, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every coach says it every year, like, hey, we, we need to establish a run. And then you just go out and throw it 70 times. But, um, but yeah, they've, they've talked about that. And I think they saved a lot for Illinois. You know, they played Richmond. They played an FCS team. And so – they got their feet wet, and they did as little as possible, and now we'll see what that uh, Clemson offense looks like in Virginia. Robert Rosendahl here from IlliniBoard.com, at Illini on the Twitter. Uh, given I, we, we talked about this yesterday, and I'm curious your um, sort of the overall vibe or feel about this game and what it does if Illinois, in fact, wins. I'm going to take it as a given that Chattanooga is a W, all right? And if Illinois then wins this Saturday, you're at 3-1 and one in the first four games, which a lot of people might have pegged Illinois at one way or another looking at the first four games. Does it feel like the ship is, is, is stabilized and the sun's shining again if Illinois pulls out a W? Well, first, Scott, you know, I, I don't hide my fandom. So as an Illinois fan, uh, I know not to say the Chattanooga game looks like a W. I was in attendance for uh, Eastern Michigan. I was there yeah. for UTSA. I have, I have been there when Youngstown State leads in the fourth quarter, even though they're an FCS team. I've been there when Southern Illinois had a pass dropped in the end zone that would have tied the game late, you know. Fair, fair. So I can't. I can't count any chicken. Um, and worth noting, Chattanooga is ranked 10th in the FCS. I, I've, I said before, this season, I feel like Chattanooga might be a little better than Wyoming. Now, you should beat both easily, but you know, Chattanooga is a decent opponent. That said, 
yes, so much Hins is here. You lose, you're one and two. Um, you didn't, you know, that your worst start you could imagine was one and two. Um, you win two and one, get to three and one. Uh, and then you got to go, you got to go find three Big Ten wins somewhere to get to a bowl. So, yeah, massive, massive game. A team that completely destroyed you last year. A team that, you know, gosh, moved the ball through the, that first quarter was about as, as porous as an Illinois defense has been in a long time. Um, they got it fixed and they had a good ending to the season. And now you take this fixed defense and you try and stop Virginia again. Um, are you concerned or what troubles you, I would say, about the final drives that have cost Illinois on several occasions last year and now here this year against Indiana? I think of it in baseball terms. It's like, oh, we need a closer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, Lauren and I have been talking about it all week. The offense initiates, and and a and a pass on target is hard to defend because usually the receiver has a step. By definition, they start first. But um, for some reason, it's it's been a problem. Yes, um, I I guess part of it for me is that it's a, it's. But let, let's you talk about how last year was a problem. Let's look at the Purdue game. Uh, you know, Purdue gets the ball back in one of these nine to six. Purdue gets the ball with like four minutes to go. They drive, they get it, you know, they get the winning touchdown with however much time left on the clock. Um, and people say, well, you know, what is it with Illinois? Or is it a prevent defense? Why is this happening right at the end of the game? Well, in that Purdue game, they had in the second half driven all the way to the goal line and Kirby Joseph picked off a pass in the end zone. Then they got the ball back and drove again. Ball went off of tight end's hands and straight to Cody Adams, and he picked it off. And then they drove the field again. So in the second half of that fourth quarter of that game, Purdue was moving the ball at will on Illinois, and just the drives were ending with interceptions. So, you know, sometimes there's some of that. You know, Indiana started to move the ball again, and then Taz Nicholson ripped it out, and that fumble, you know, it helped Illinois almost put the game away, set up the field goal, everything else. So... Um, you know, sometimes it's just the things that are happening in the game. But, like you said, Maryland drove down, kicked the winning field goal. Purdue drove down and scored the winning touchdown. Now Indiana drives down and scores the winning touchdown. It's a it's a disturbing trend. Yeah, it's disturbing. Of course, in the Purdue game, Illinois had time to take it back. And they had first and 10 on the 19-yard line and yep. didn't go from there, didn't advance from there. Yeah, and in that Maryland game, after they had tied it with that touchdown, it was like, yeah, three minutes left or whatever. Yeah. Illinois had had the ball, just got to go forty yards and went backwards. Field goal range and win the game. So <laughs> yeah, yep. yes, we. <laughs> this seems to be a pattern, Lauren, where we talk about the ways that Illinois almost won and just didn't get there. Well, they they won some like that though. By the same token, I mean, I, I, if you have eight close games, you're going to win four and lose four generally. Sure. I mean, that's sure. just the way it is. I mean, and I and I think Illinois is going to have about that many this year, and you just. Hope they'll win more than you lose because you're not going to win them all. Yeah, that Indiana game is the kind though that, like, you know, say it does end with a five and seven record this season, that's the one of like, oh man, if he could have just stopped that final drive, if he could have just, you know, well, I, got that fourth and goal, you know, it's that it's a haunting kind of game. Well, I, I I felt the game was lost in the second half by the failure to score when you're down there. I mean, I they had. Yeah. They were stopping Indiana on every drive for a while, 
and yep. in fact, right up until the last one, and then they'd take it down, and, and it was clear that they were the dominant team, and then they wouldn't get any points out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, that's the hardest thing is like they were at the twenty on the drive that Chase Brown the swing pass was a lateral. They mm-hmm. were at the twenty, so that was technically a red zone play. Mm-hmm. And then you know to have first and goal from the six and come away with no points. That's my. I, we need yeah, an explanation on the really touchdown hard. that wasn't a touchdown. My <laughs> towers catch. Well, well, Lauren, I spent my day today doing my little check the tape thing, which will be up on YouTube in a couple hours, and. Uh, I spent about 14 minutes looking at every angle of that and trying to figure out how the officials, I just cannot understand the avenue they took when discussing it on the replay to say incomplete. There's just, there's just no, nothing on the video says, I can understand missing the call when in, in live action, sure. but I just don't understand the avenue they took to say incomplete upon review. The willingness to overturn concerns me i don't think it's a 50 50 deal once they're starting to look at it they're looking at it with the idea do we overturn but in this case they wouldn't that's right and uh, And most of the time they'd rather not i agree it was a horrendous conclusion drawn there but i only can come to the my only guess is and i'll be curious to see what you put out there but there must have been a split second where they can't determine if the ball was in his possession uh, but everybody I've talked to has, uh, around it have said it was a catch all day, all night, all week, and that's points on the board that Illinois should have had. And so you can look at the – they didn't score in the red zone when they should have. They didn't score in the goal line when they should have. And they, they have – the players, the coaches, they have to move on from a blown call. But the point is yep. that it still stands that there are points out there that Illinois should have had on the board that they didn't, and maybe that's the difference in the ballgame. But then maybe Indiana's behind and they're passing more, and Illinois had more trouble against their pass than they did against their run. So who knows? Yep. But it was a touchdown. The bottom line for me with that play is that um, you know, the only way they could overturn it, given the video evidence, is for the official to say, hey, the reason I ruled it incomplete is because I saw him trap it against the ground. Or, you know, I saw something that wasn't on the video. I saw it there. And then they go to try and overrule it. And there's no video evidence that says, oh, can't really tell. Well, if you saw him trapping it, then it must have been a trap. The problem with that is the official, I mean, they show so many replays. And I put this in the video I made. Like, the problem with that is the official waits until after the, the pullout by the, you know, the... Indiana guy rips the ball out of his hands. He kind of catches it again, and that's when he signals incomplete. The official, if he was really saying, hey, I saw him trap it against the ground, is going to run in there and call it incomplete yep. before any of that stuff happens. Yep. And because he didn't, because he didn't until the end, then I don't even understand how they could go to the Big Ten supervisor of officials and say, look, we followed protocol, because there's, there's nothing on the video there. And if he didn't call it incomplete when the guy was trapping the ball, apparently, then you can't overturn it. So it's just, it's just, it's just, uh, it's mind-boggling. What the conference should do, in my opinion, that not that they're asking me, is they should just issue a statement and say we blew that call, and well, then you can't argue. Well, and you they, can just go, well, they made a mistake, and they admit it. Well, that that may be what they did. Yeah, they just but, don't make it known. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure there, there are many times when they they tell the coach after the game, coaches all over the league. Uh, we missed that call. But. Yep. 
Robert, uh, be well, safe travels, and we'll see you Saturday, Illinois against Virginia. As always, we appreciate your time. You got it. Thanks, guys. All right. Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. Yesterday at Riggs Brewing Company, Riggs Beer Company, we had People's Choice Awards. Several folks there from CU Under Construction hanging out and celebrating their multiple awards won in the People's Choice. They have earned a reputation now as one of the best in a variety of categories when it comes to home repair, new additions, renovations, what have you, finishing your basement, see you under construction, is just a step above. And uh, the baby household can attest how they took care of things for us in some recent renovations in our home. Encourage you to check out how they handle things professionally, how they start to finish from the initial planning stage to a walkthrough final when it's all said and done to make sure you're satisfied as a customer. They handle things a little different, and they've got experts right in-house as a sister company to CU Trade Services. Check out CU Under Construction, a People's Choice Award winner. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. I don't know, Blues Blues show up here on Wednesdays on Sports Talk, and it makes me wonder if we'll ever get you start singing it's been known to happen yeah been known to happen usually at the rose bowl never gonna happen again i'll tell you that well (laughs) you've said the same thing about playing golf well that's true (laughs) the biofeld conference room will be named in honor of dr carol cars university of illinois today recognizing the longtime administrator and women's athletics trailblazer by naming the primary meeting and conference room at the Bielefeld's Athletic Administration Building. In her honor, it'll be the Dr. Carol Carr's Hall of Fame room. It will be formally dedicated Friday during the Illini Women's Sports Summit, which is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the passage of Title IX. Carol Carr has passed away in 2020, began her career at Illinois as an instructor back in 1966. She was here for her Hall of Fame a few years back. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, an iconic woman, uh, so many people speak well of her and, and remember her and in, in, in what she did. And they're holding this summit this week. Um, you mentioned Taylor Rooks is going to mm-hmm. serve as an MC. Former volleyball player Taylor Onion is also uh, involved in this. Uh, and then uh, Sheila Johnson, who's um, headed up uh, BET, Black Entertainment Television, is University of Illinois alum. She'll be here Janet Rayfield, Illinois soccer coach, is participating, and then a lot of former athletes are coming back, including Nancy Thies Marshall, we just mentioned, mm-hmm. who was an Olympian and uh, 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 all-world gymnast here. So, Hall of Famer. Yep. So she'll be in studio tomorrow, and she grew up here in town, so yep. uh, so she's still got family in town, and uh, she'll come and visit with us and, and reminisce. We will also, uh, tomorrow, have a whole lot of other guests and i was going to tell you who one of them was and i just blanked on it <laughs> okay. i can see it and I, I just wrote it down but i'm going to tell you about that guest oh coach q q and a oh okay yeah, coach q will be here that's our thursday segment okay yeah, so coach q will talk a little football with him tomorrow uh across the big 10 so that's what we have on tap mr tate 
White Sox baseball. The White Sox are trying to climb back. They're down 4-2. to two. They need every win they can get. Colorado does beat the Brewers, sir. 8-4 to four is the final in Denver. Have but, you noticed how much of this is not an example today? Yesterday was how, how many games in the last month and a half they have lost late with poor relief pitching. Uh, which team? The Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, yeah. The Hater Since game. they traded away Hater, I wonder if they're kicking themselves on well, that. Well, I don't know if that's the reason, but I just know the first thing that happened, the first two games after he was gone, they blew leads late, and they've just they've had some trouble late. We were talking about the Brian Hightower uh, call uh, this weekend. Uh, we'll bring you a little bit of audio from Brett Bielman, what he had to say about the whole thing before we hit the top of the hour news. All right, after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Told you about the audio here from Brett Bielma on the Brian Hightower no call. Here's what Brett Bielma's perspective is after the fact. You know, I know Brian went up and competed for that ball uh, not only once, twice, some would argue three times, uh, and, and I think he had positive results, but but that's things that we got to continue to grow from. And it's part of the reason I tell our coaches and our players, right, like, here at Illinois, we haven't done a lot of great things, right, in, uh, in the last 15, 20 years. There's been moments. There's been moments of flash and, and, and positivity, but it's kind of us against everyone, right? It, when, when you're in a position that we are at right now, we have to not only beat our opponent, we have to beat everybody else that we face, right? So I'm not saying we have to beat the refs or, or beat, beat a, an opponent coach staff, but we have, to, we have to perform at a level that's above the expectation for us to get the respect that we want to get. So uh, we don't only have a chip on our left shoulder. we probably got one on our right shoulder. Okay, if Ohio State catches that same ball, what's the call? With that referee crew or that reviewer? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I, would, I would like to think it's the same call, but I kind of heard him say maybe it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear the same? Well, yeah, that's why I brought it up. I, I, we, I, when you, it's, like, it's like a batter. When, when Pujols is at the plate, don't you think the umpire knows who's batting? Or when Greg Maddox, look at look, look at the highlights of Greg Maddox. Well, he'd get calls a, a oh, good baseball off the plate just a hundred times a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every pitch would be two inches outside. And, and there, yeah. there are stories of you know, son, you got to earn that call. You know, you're not getting that call, rookie. You know, either way, if you're a hitter or a pitcher. But <laughs> Michael Jordan can push off on his game-winning shot in the he finals. Sure did. Pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean. I, I also think Michael Jordan makes the shot either way because he's Michael <laughs> Jordan. But yeah, there's no referees are human. Well, they're they're human. They missed two plays in the Michigan game a years ago, and two clear plays they mm-hmm. call opposite, call them backwards, both of them. Yep. And Illinois wins the game if that doesn't happen. Exactly. But, and then they decided, let's do are, replay. Here we are whining, but but it's it's a fact that you've. You gotta earn it. You gotta. You, you really have to earn it when you're when you're down. You you don't expect to get much help. We'll see you tomorrow, sir. All right. News Talk fourteen hundred ninety three nine FM WDWS Champaign Urbana Hour Two after the news.